0: What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hoxhaven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find us at LLTaven.com, at hoxhaven on Twitter and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly Maul. from Of course, you can find me on Twitter at Let Maul. Tell It. Do not forget the you. Hey, I am excited to be back. I missed the episode, man. I've been gone all week, uh, but I'm in a good mood, man. I'm recording this Thursday afternoon uh, in Dallas, Texas right now uh, on work travel. So I wasn't able to do a midweek show. But uh, for those who are looking out or just in tune and, and just love the, the content in the podcast, man, uh, I appreciate you all. Uh, tapping it, make sure you hit that subscribe button if you are new. Uh, make sure you hit that rating and review if you have a chance, man. We definitely appreciate that. But your boy's on work travel, um, so you got to get in where you fit in. <laughs> so I am fresh in the office or fresh from the office. Um, look, I, I even went, well, I went, I went when I got out the, the Uber to the hotel, went straight to the uh, the little fridge area, got me a little IPA. I don't even drink beer. Right? I don't even drink beer like that no more. I drink straight liquor, whiskey, tequila, something like that, bourbon. But I saw this, I saw this IPA staring at me, man. I said, Mo. The flowers, flowers football is on tonight. My high school, right? My alma mater. Our first ever championship appearance, so I'm not gonna miss that. Right? I'm locked in online. I would love to be at the game. Um, shout out to them a holes who scheduled who scheduled flowers and Quince Orchard to play on Thursday, right? But I'm logged in nonetheless. Uh, we got the early work release. Uh, we finished our work early out here, so you know my weekend is started. You know, flight at noon tomorrow, so I don't have to wake up extra early. I don't have to wake up at seven a.m. or eight a.m. I can wake up at I can wake up at like nine, right? I can afford to drink a little bit. I can afford to turn the game on the, the, the bills game. Oh, by the way, I got my parlays going, you know, I go, I can afford to, to get on and lock into the bills game throughout the whole night. I ain't gotta go to, I ain't gotta go to sleep early thinking I gotta wake up at 4am to get, clock into work. I don't gotta do none of that. We in a good mood and what, and, and, and the top area thing? Oh, <laughs> the commanders in the playoff race. Watching the playoff race, man. So, like, we got a lot to talk about. We got a few things to talk about right now, not not a ton, uh, not a ton to talk about, but we got a few things to talk about, right? So, everything. I'm in a good mood, man. I hope all y'all are in a good mood, um, or at least trying to be uh, in a good mood, man. At the end of the day, the weekend is almost here, um, and, and I hope everybody had a safe week. Uh, I hope everybody, you know, got what they wanted accomplished, whatever that may be. Um, but yeah, man, football is here. We're previewing the Giants and the Commanders game, more so on the Commander side this week. Uh, I wasn't able to get any guests and Obviously, it's, it's even hard to do that when you're on work travel. Um, so I didn't want people to fit into my tiny window of scheduling. But at the end of the day, let's talk a little bit about these Commanders. Um, playoff perspective, right? This game is big for Washington. This game is big for Washington. This game is big for New York um aaron Schatz, i think he does data for football outsiders um literally the creator of the D-O- dvoa right um the dvoa metric so i'm gonna read this tweet verbatim and uh and go from there so this is all related to detroit seattle the giants in washington and i'm gonna start with this follow-up tweet and then go to the numbers he had said Quote unquote. Essentially, there are three teams for two wild card spots in the NFC, with the first wild card spot going to uh, Philly, Dallas division loser, right? So either Philly or Dallas are are getting that that wild card spot depending on who loses the division race. And then those percentages that I'm about to read off to you all, those percentages show the Washington Giants results don't matter much to Seattle's chances. So here's the numbers that he outputted, right? Both commander giant matchups. If Washington wins both, Washington has a 96% chance to make the playoffs. Seattle has a 73% chance to make the playoffs. Giants 16, Detroit 10. If Giants win, if they win both, Giants 97, Seattle 75, Detroit 11, Washington 11. If Washington. In New York split, Seattle 71, Giants 59, Washington 55, Detroit 12. So there you go. And based on his numbers, <laughs> it's in Washington's best interest to run the table. It's in Washington's best interest to run the table. Um, I think we've known that for some time now. Uh, and, and specifically, sometime I'm meaning, like, uh, at the beginning of their second three-game winning streak, after you lose the Minnesota and you rally to win three straight, you kind of realize who your common opponents are, right? Like, your opponents, after that, that loss to the Vikings, were Philly, Houston, Atlanta. Not many people had watched them beating Philly, but you did beat Philly. So now you're in that position— just off of beating them, that you're still in this thing. You can afford to lose to Houston if you if you had to, but you didn't lose to Houston. You smoked Houston. Then you fought a tough one out with Atlanta, right? So there goes your three straight. You got Giants back-to-back. You can't afford to really lose either one of these for your playoff implications. These are the two games you can't afford to lose right now. And then, obviously, you got your, your road game against San Fran, which is going to be tough as well. But really... It's all about every game that's in front of you for Washington, but it's also about not losing to New York. And you have a road game against the New York Giants. Um, and the injury report for that uh, is, is kind of uh, – it kind of favors Washington from an actual numbers perspective, right? But um, I'll read them all for you. Uh, some of the key names for Washington side, Antonio Gibson, Dax Mill. Uh, well, I guess he's the punt returner, so go ahead put him in there. Um <laughs> Antonio Gibson, Dax Mill, Benjamin St. Juice, Trey Turner, Tyler Larson, Logan Thomas, Chase Young. Um Turner St. Juice Mill Gibson all DMPs on Thursday. Um by the time you hear this, I'm sure there will be an updated um information on Fridays. No, actually I'm uh, it'll probably be published tonight, so don't worry about it. Ignore everything I just said. Um uh, but at the end of the day. You'll probably have more information on those guys that I named on Friday. Tyler Larson, Logan Thomas, Chase Young, all limited on Thursday. Um, And again, we'll know more about them as well on Friday. I think one of the bigger things... I'm sorry. Let me continue on to the Giants side, right? Um, You have... There's Slayton. Dory. Oh, my Lord. They got a 1,000 people on their their injury list. Um, I'm going to just go through... The people that was on Andrew report never mind the fact that uh you know what their status is but you have some you have a Dory Jackson, Darius Slayton, um Daniel Bellinger uh you have Richie James that's that's my guy um he's an underrated player for these guys slot receiver uh, has a few key third down conversions first down conversions overall um I had the opportunity to scout him a few weeks ago uh talented player low key player um uh, Fabian Moreau Leonard Williams, uh, Evan Neal, and Tyree Phillips are some key guys on their roster. I mean, excuse me, on their injury report, um, some of which you will be seeing on Sunday for Washington. Um, As we go back to the Washington side and Chase Young, uh, well, there was one conversation I want to bring to the mic that I think is important for Chase Young, and I'm going to read off something from jack del rio right because jack del rio spoke on it as well and um i think he says something that's insightful but also uh kind of is important for, for for what's next with chase young and quote unquote he says on his reasonable expectations for chase when he returns play hard do the best you can to help the team the biggest thing is to not make it about him personally just come out give great effort Fit into the rotation and do your job. That is what our guys have been doing. And to allow us to play well, that is not going to change. I think for Dell Rio and his messaging via the media to Chase Young, and I'm sure this is something he said to him, two things, before I even get to that message, right? Um, if you all listen to the Chopper Dive podcast as well, you kind of understand that um, our guy, my guy, AJ, said that Chase was going to play. Against the Atlanta Falcons had he not gotten sick So um, that may have been Again, even to this moment in which I'm recording um, I don't know if he was slated to play uh, And then he got sick But uh, if if there wasn't any conversation About him playing or not playing uh, AJ was letting us know that he was slated to play Had he not gotten sick Uh, With that being said, I fully expect Chase Young and I may be wrong, right? This is my opinion. Now, let me be clear. I think that's the best way to say it. This is my opinion that I fully expect Chase to be back in MetLife. And I think one of the things that I wanted to say that really boggled my mind is how many people were scared of the turf. <laughs> um, you know, there's so much common conversation about how Chase Young should be held out because of the turf in MetLife. But at the end of the day, man, football is football. And... For all of the people who has been on that field right because there's this there's always reputations behind fields right there's always reputations about field conditions and for washington fedex field like that goes without saying in terms of its reputation his reputation is real there are people who dislike that field and dislike the, the field conditions for some time but ultimately um when you look at a guy and chase young uh, i'm not worried about met life's turf turf conditions Like, none of that is real to me. You got the New York Giants and New York Jets. They're both playing eight games a year at that stadium. And how many injuries do you think are directly related? They have eight games. So that's 16 games total because you're talking about two different teams. You have 16 games there at home. And how many injuries from their teams are directly related to field conditions or their opponents? Again, you probably do have some some field conditions that are are not ideal right but at the end of the day there's not, that's not at the forefront of a player's head especially a person who is a competitor man um at some point you get to a you get to a point in your career where you're worried about you know protecting yourself on the field but when you're young you're just trying to hoop suit up and i don't think i don't think coaches are are ever going to sit here and look at the field and be like damn we're going to keep them out for another week Um, we really need him back, but let's keep him out for another week because these fields are bad. No, Chase Young needs to be on the field. I expect Chase Young to be on the field this week if he's healthy, meaning if he's cleared of that illness. And I expect him to get some opportunities. And now to the point in which Jack Del spoke on, not to make it about him personally. Fit into the rotation and do your job. I don't think what he's saying in terms of Chase Young not making it about him personally, I don't think what he's saying is really a shot to Chase. But I do think Jack Del Rio, coming from a player perspective, and I think if you're an athlete listening to this at one point was an athlete or at to your current point in your life that you are a competitor, you want to come back if you miss some time and make an impact. You don't care about if you're playing a team sport you don't care about what other people on your team are supposed to do. You want to be the one to make a play and let people know I'm back. And I think what Jack Del Rio is saying in his response is not a shot at Chase Young, right? But I do think it's a message that you need to get on board. And if you get on board and we talked about this with Mark Bullock, right? If you all listen to the last podcast or, or the last in uh midweek podcast, we talked to Mark. Like, if you do your job, understand your assignment within the rotation, within the unit, everybody eats. Imagine a guy in Chase Young, with the talent in which he has, doing his job and his job only, and the opportunities because he's athletically gifted. When he does his job, those present those opportunities that's going to be provided to him just because he's just that better athletically than the person lined up against him. So I think what Jack Del Real what he's saying is very important. Do not make it about you personally. Give that effort, man, and do your job. And, and, and I'm really itching to see like how Chase Young responds and reacts to his first day back, his first game back. That's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. Um, Other, other issues or, or concerns on that side of the football, obviously, is Saquon Barkley, right? Um, obviously, we know he's a special player. This year, he is going off. He's back, and I will never forget this um, interview that he did on the Pivot before the season started. How he told people, "Hey, y'all, y'all catch, y- <laughs> y'all catch, y'all tried to catch that check-in too early on, on Saquon, right? I'm back, and y'all gonna find out." that I'm back this year, like, real soon. Saquon, 224 attempts. 11 games played. 11 games started. 11 games played, 11 games started out of a possible 11. He ain't missed no time. 992 yards on the season, seven touchdowns. 4.4 yards per carry. 35 receptions, 223 receiving yards. He's an explosive athlete, and he's shown that he's back right now. I think he's top five in the league in rushing. Um, I'm about to double-check right now, but I believe it. he's number two. I'm sorry, number two in attempts. Uh, I think he is number four. Yeah, number four in rushing yards on the season. He's averaging 90 yards a game. And he ain't the only one on this team contributing to the run game. That's that boy, Daniel Jones, <laughs> right? So, obviously, shutting down that run game is going to be important. Understanding that you have an ability to learn from your mistakes last week. Underestimating the impact that Marcus Mariota can have on the game. Like, the only good thing is that you know Daniel Jones. And for Jack Del Rio and his defensive staff, they've known Daniel Jones for three years. 2020 through 2022. They're not going to allow... Daniel Jones to take off like Marcus Mariota did. And I think that's probably the good thing. I've been waiting on this moment to talk about and it's like I don't think, and another thing because before I even get to the receivers I don't think Daniel Jones is having like an, a superb season, right? And I'm not even talking about statistically. I think that uh, Dayball has insulated him well enough that he's able to Kind of control Daniel Jer- Daniel Jones and his ability to like fully impact the game from a from a passing perspective, and I think that's a good thing for for New York if they're able to find a way to establish some time of possession right and 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 convert on third downs, it's a key situation. somewhat similar, except for we don't have the dynamic back then, New York has. But if we can, if if me meaning we meaning the New York Giants from a New York Giants perspective, if we can uh find a way to to maximize time of possession, get our run game going with Daniel Jones and Saquon, hit occasionally downfield if we need to, but more importantly, just move the sticks, hit the short the intermediate. I think we're in good shape. And that philosophy, I'm not saying it's the best offense because it's not. Not the most efficient offense. They're a top 10 rush offense for a reason. And like I said, it's for the the reasons that we stated. But I think Brian Dayball has done a really good job insulating Daniel Jones and just making sure that his opportunities to impact the game negatively are limited. Again, we're talking about somewhat in a similar situation than as uh, Taylor Heineke. But like I said, I don't think Daniel Jones is having a great season offensively from a pass game standpoint. He's not impacting the game uh in that regard completely. Um and I do think the the thing for him is more about how he uses his legs in this offense and how he contributes to the run game. And for Washington, like I said again, um that read option, that zone read keeper, uh that Mariota was really killing Washington in, they have a they have a Mulligan in this instance. Um, how do you approach this? You can't leave the you can't leave the quarterback uncovered. So whoever it is that is responsible for the quarterback is probably gonna have to commit to him. Commit meaning I know who my responsibility is. I'm going to trust my teammates to go ahead and rally at the running back if it does happen to be a handoff. But I ain't letting Daniel Jones go nowhere. If we keep Daniel Jones under 30 yards of carry, I mean excuse me, 30 yards of carry. If we keep Daniel Jones under 30 yards this game, it's a win. And that's kind of probably their mindset going into this game. It's a win. Marcus Johnson. That's my guy. Um, It's a name that a lot of people aren't familiar with, right? Like I mentioned with uh, um, James, um, Richie James, Marcus Johnson is a guy who I also had a – had the, the, the chance to scout this season this season and last offseason. season so before he even got to new york when he was on his way to san francisco great athlete and i think obviously when you look at people's season statistics i got into an argument with somebody on twitter not even an argument just a conversation because he wasn't understanding the angle that i was coming from right and sometimes when you when you talk to people from a certain angle and you try to you know Tell them from an evaluation standpoint what you see in a player. If they don't know the player, the only thing that they can rely on is stats. (laughs) And I say that to say, if you're listening to this and you go to Marcus Johnson's stats right now, his career stats, it ain't going to tell you nothing. But guess what? There's other reasons for which he's not able to make those impacts. Whether it's opportunity in terms of um, being behind some players, whether it's Injuries, which he has had several throughout his career. And that's mainly what's impacted his opportunities. He got cut in San Fran after he got concussed for no reason. His teammate laid him out in in preseason. I mean, in training camp. And he missed some time. And and I'm sure that affected his ability to stay on the field and, and impress coaches. But what do I mean? I'm saying all this to say what, right? Marcus Johnson, you're talking about a person... Who won't get that many opportunities because Daniel Jones is his quarterback, right? However, because another thing, Slayton. Um, Darius Slayton is their deep ball guy. Daniel Jones trusts da- Darius Slayton because they have they have chemistry, they have an understanding. Marcus Johnson's the new guy. <clears throat> but Marcus Johnson, <laughs> he's a three-level threat. He has the athletic ability to challenge all coverages. He has the foot speed to dominate. A particular matchup, i.e., let's see Kendall Fuller. Benjamin St. Juice may not be around, so you have an opportunity to challenge whoever it is on that other side as well. I don't think he's going to deserve some star coverage or like a bracket or anything like that. But I do think that, that scouting report is going to tell Washington defenders, stay over top of this man. That's the guy. Again, athletically uh gifted. Uh, He has some good change of direction. His routes are are crisp, right? Now, you do get concerned at the catch point. He doesn't use his frame all too well, so you may see a drop or two, right? Marcus Johnson, again, it may sound like I'm hyping this man up, but trust me, if you watch this tape, you understand that I'm not lying to you. It's more so about opportunities. It's more so about chemistry. It's more so about situation um, with Marcus, it's not about skill set or ability. He got it. Um, but yeah, that's it for the for the offensive side, man. Um, of 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 the Giants. Uh, I do think that uh, ultimately Washington will be able to. As I named all those players in, in those situations for the Giants, I do think that Washington's defense uh, is legit. But I I don't think that this is going to be a game that they're getting gashed. Um, again, I think that the Falcons were one of the best rush teams in the NFL, um, and you're going to come across those sometimes from time to time, i.e. the, the San Francisco 49ers coming up. You're going to run into that situation again. <laughs> but I think Atlanta does things really well. They understand what their goals are, and that's how you run into some buzz holes. Um But that doesn't mean that Washington's rush defense is terrible. Somebody asked me on Sunday, like, was this defense exposed? You can't be exposed by a rush team – that is effective running it against everybody. You're not a dominant rush off rush defense, right? But you're very good. You don't have the answers or the or the, the physical uh bodies to, to compete <laughs> uh on a down to down basis with the Atlanta Falcons. It's not a knock. It's more so about matchups. We talk about that all the time in every single season, specifically playoffs, right? We need to see the matchups, and that can tell you how far you think a team can make it. And that's just one of those instances, man. Washington doesn't just match – they just don't match up that well against the Atlanta Falcons uh, rush game. So, with that being said, I, I don't think the Falcons are in the same – I mean, the Giants are in the same boat as, as as Atlanta. Um, They don't have the horses up front in terms of offensive line. Washington's defensive line will be able to take advantage of that. The linebackers, Jamie Davis, who's, who's been – a uh, a a great improvement on that second level for Washington um will be able to eat Bobby McCain um in his new role uh will be available and he'll be able to make some plays in the box as well and match up well with Saquon um it's going to be more so about trying, trying to tag that man in the phone booth it's going to be hard it ain't going to be easy like the the custody makes in traffic is incredible um but yeah that's 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 going to be interesting Uh, But, yeah, I don't think the defense is going to be in that much trouble. Uh, Ultimately, it comes down to the offensive side of the football, right? Taylor Heineke. Um, And I think that Taylor Heineke, this is probably his most important game of 2022. Obviously, there was more uh, high-stakes games. The, The very easy one, Philadelphia Eagles. Undefeated team Monday night. How did your team bounce back? from a game in Minnesota Vikings where you all had a very rough finish to the game. 10 point lead blew it in the fourth quarter. 10 point lead in the fourth quarter and blew it. They bounced back. Well, that entire offense, uh, that defense played damn near. I mean that, that entire team, excuse me, damn near played a perfect game for its four turnovers on the defense side of the football. Um, but, you can't ask for perfect games every single season or every single week, excuse me. Taylor Heineke isn't playing that great this year. He's doing some good, but he's doing a lot of bad, in my opinion. Um his good is, is all about keeping the offense afloat, trying to establish the time of possession right. Um he has some, some moments in which he's playing with very good anticipation, right, and timing within the offense and understanding where to go with the football. He's giving Terry Heineke, Terry McLaurin a chance and on all levels of the field right they're running the football well with him under center (laughs) see him running out of options or running out things to say about taylor but ultimately my point is um this is a big game for for taylor because at some point carson is going to be his backup he's going to be activated he's going to be his number two it's not going to be sam Howell. it's going to be carson wentz and I I keep saying it. I say it every every episode at this point. So if you're tired of my redundancy, I do not care. <laughs> but heading into the bye week is a really good opportunity for for Washington to make a quarterback change. Don't you agree? So what does that mean for Taylor? Right. You can't afford to have a bad game going into the bye week. And I remember in a conversation not me but a conversation that taylor had with Kime, john Kime, or jp finley i can't remember which one but they were in the locker room and don't quote me because i don't remember where i heard it but it was either one of the, it was definitely either Kime, john Kime, or jp finley one of those two and that man heineke told him man i have to play better i cannot play better I mean, excuse me, I cannot afford to play poor. <laughs> I have to play better. Look, man, he's one of the worst QBs in terms of like statistics, like QB IQ or decision-making. I think that's pro football focus. He's literally second to last in QB IQ and decision-making. Quarterback IQ is a percentile that measures, uh, that factors in decision-making, aggressiveness, and tight accuracy throws. Or accuracy in tight windows, excuse me. I messed that up. That's QBIQ. Decision making is a a score that measures a QB's ability, decision making ability, times yards model, right? Completion probability, air yards, and expected yak. If you ask me to say that again, you better Google it. So I confused myself, but his numbers ain't good. <laughs> Respectfully. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm serious, but I don't want you all to like, un, like think this is like do or die type of thing, but I'm just letting you know, like he's not playing that good on the field. Like the window, I, I shared this clip on Twitter, man. And this window of opportunity that he had against uh the Falcons early on in the first half where, they settled a drive for a field goal. Um, he had a throw to John Bass that he was late on, man. And John Bass was running like this same route, like this bender type of route, where he's widening the defender by attacking that inside hip of the defender. That's the, the defensive back that's closer towards the, the sideline, and then he's bringing it back in towards uh, the, the 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 right hash, but in the end zone. So I hope you're following me, but the route that John Bates runs clears up that lane that he intends on running to because he widened out the defensive back. The other safety or the safety on the other side of the field is too far away at that, that one particular time that he's supposed to throw it. Right. And he just, he's just late on the throat. He's just very late on the throat. Ultimately being been, he ends up sailing it over the linebacker and John Bates has to, wait as the ball is hanging in the air for him to jump down and make a play so what am I saying man I just think that Heineke clearly has to play better this is a game where for Washington that's going into a bye week is going to be pretty big for Taylor and I think that is the the window that he cannot afford to lose the coaches in with Carson back or with the bye week looming you cannot afford to be in a situation where you have the coaches considering moving on to Carson because it's not a, it's not an illogical decision or conversation to have from a coaching perspective or a fan perspective, but I do like the way that Washington is playing offensively, from a standpoint of trying to establish a ground game and maintaining a ground game throughout the, throughout the day, and the way they address or attack rush, uh, rush defenses are, are pretty uh, incredible to see with the unbalanced offensive lines. Right, um, word is Sam Cosby may be moving the guard this week um, as he's returning. And and Trey Turner's not looking too good health-wise, and and all of these things are going to be good for Washington, but but the way they're addressing the run game and, and dressing it up and window packaging this, because they're not running anything too complex, but they're giving defenses so many different looks, uh, from pre snap motion uh, to to misdirection after the snap, and simply running in inside inside runs. And, and, and trying to make a living off that. I like what Brian Robinson is doing uh, on that side of the football as well, and, and his development. Man, he like last week against the Houston Texans, you saw a little bit of what Brian Robinson can do, and then the very next game, uh, you get a hundred yard day for Brian Robinson. Like that man is feeling himself in a good way, and that's that's good for Washington. But that offensive line is starting to have some co- cohesion as they stack games on top of games with one another. And I think all of that is important. So I like what they're doing with the run game, man. Um, I'm, I'm still a little disappointed. as as some I had some time to think on this as the days went by, uh, but I'm still a little disappointed that Jahan Dotson isn't really seeing uh, the field that much. I'm also a little disappointed that Jahan Dotson isn't getting that many uh, touches or targets at all. It's not seeing the field that much because the run game has incorporated De'Ami Brown to some extent, He's had 14, uh, he had 14 uh, uh, snaps against the Falcons. 10 of those were runs. So that eliminates 10 possible snaps for Jahan Dotson. And De'Ami Brown isn't playing too bad in the run game either. I think they like him. And, and I'm starting to see why. Like he's physical at the point of attack, man. He's not technically sound, but he's going to get his nose in there. And I think that's all they can ask for a guy with technique. I'm, excuse me. Let me be clear, a guy that's willing to block and has the competitiveness to block, they can work on technique down the line. But as long as you get your nose in there, Brad, you can hold off that second-level defender for at least two seconds or maybe a second and a half. That's all that's going to be needed from the running back. Um, But yeah, I like what they're doing. Uh, The Giants do have some dogs up front. Obviously, we know about uh, Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence and uh, Kayvon Tepadu is is on the way. Um, So there's going to be some challenges up front. Uh, and a good opportunity to or or a good matchup just from an offensive line defensive line standpoint um and i think ultimately offensively it's going to come down to turnovers you cannot afford to have any turnovers and allow this giant's offense to have several additional possessions on their side of the ball because when you have an elite playmaker in in saquon barkley on the field uh uh, from additional possessions it's only a matter of time until he he does break loose so i think that's kind of the situation that Washington is looking at on that side of the ball. If you are going to run it, you gotta execute, you gotta establish the ground game right, but you also gotta keep the ball on the field for your offense. Um hope you all have been able to listen to me to this point. Um clearly I had a lot to say, right? I thought I was doing this for like 15 minutes. <laughs> Uh, I hope I hope you been able to join, man. But we will be back post game. Me and Damian, man, chopping it up about uh, the Commanders. Hopefully moving on to eight and five, man, and talking about this turnaround throughout the, throughout that bye week. As it's, it's, it's been a good sight. So do have Washington winning. Um, I like the way that they're playing. I trust this team. I, I think that Washington ultimately wins. Uh, if I have to give a prediction again, like what I say last week. <laughs> Why would anybody predict this team to score more than 20 points when they have not done it? They done it what, three times this year? Jacksonville, Detroit, Green Bay, and Finley four times. If you try and count Houston, I'm not giving you that. They had a pick six. I ain't giving you that. <laughs> nah, we ain't doing that, man. They did it four times. So what am I saying? I'm going to say that Washington wins. And I'm going to say Washington wins 20-17. to 17. Another close game for Washington as they head into the bye week, man. But at the end of the day, they are 85. Uh, looking forward and um, looking ahead uh, to another matchup against the New York Giants out of that bye week, man. So uh, with that being said, y'all take care. Y'all enjoy y'all weekend. Y'all stay safe. Wish the boys at flowers, man. How about them Jaguars, shawty? Wish them some luck for me. Um, Our first ever championship game uh, for the state title, for a state title in Maryland. So uh, y'all take care. Enjoy y'all weekend. Stay safe. We'll be back Sunday evening, breaking down uh, the the matchup uh, between the Giants and the Whitech.